0: Sifter.com.au G'day and welcome to Drop Rate by Sifter. Drop Rate is Sifter's review podcast, packed with thoughts and feelings about the newest video games, giving you insights from some of the best games writers around. I'm Chris Button, and today we're talking about Assassin's Creed Mirage, the latest entry in what is a very long-running series by this point, and I'm joined by Sifters' own Gianni DiGiovanni. Giovanni. But before we get into the discussion, here are the top stories featured on Walkthrough Sifters' weekly news podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto, and I'm Gianni DiGiovanni. Giovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers Relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying... Sorry, you're mad. Solo developed Mana Lords and Indie City Builder, Break Sales and Steam Records. Take two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Get
0: down for a chat
1: with your pals in video games.
0: You're listening to Sifter. So, Gianni, we mentioned that Assassin's Creed Mirage is the latest in arguably one of the most well-known and long-running major game franchises in the modern era. So what, what, where does Mirage sit in the grand scheme of all the Assassin's Creeds over the years? Well,
1: Assassin's Creed celebrated 15 years, which seems kind of crazy to think about. Not that long ago, I think earlier this year. Um, so where does this sit? Well, it's probably the nine millionth Assassin's Creed game uh, in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of them there. But it thematically, it's a, a, almost like a direct sequel to um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which came out um, sort of 2019-ish uh, or so. Um, and it features one of the characters who's uh, heavily involved in that uh, plot, a character called Basim, Um who is And this goes back to the origins of uh, Basim first becoming one of the Hidden Ones, uh, which is the what the Assassin's Order was called at this uh, moment in time. Um, and we learn kind of the history of Basim um, and get to re-explore a world which was kind of the setting of the very first uh, Assassin's Creed. It's slightly different. Um of course, um, that was more centered around Jerusalem and uh, the you know Mediterranean Middle East parts of this. This is set in Baghdad, um, and this uh, is being heavily marketed too, and I think does a pretty good job of capturing the feeling of playing those very first Assassin's Creed games. Um, it is um, much less about the the full-on immersive rpg experience which the games have kind of ballooned into it's smaller in its scope um, but it's not completely chucking out every single uh, adaptation or every single improvement that has come to the series after this year so it's um it's a really interesting um piece of uh piece of games media in 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 a game that's series which is yeah
0: as i said 15 years old yeah, it's very much been positioned by Ubisoft as well as very much a, a back to its roots uh, entry in the series, as you mentioned, going back to the, the stealth as opposed to the heavy focus on action in uh, modern RPG elements that recent entries like Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla have very much focused on. And while I haven't necessarily played the the final release version of the game. I did play a preview build a couple of months ago and definitely found that it felt like a much tighter experience overall because of its renewed focus on I suppose what really set apart the series in its early days. And I really did like that it sort of cut away a lot of the the bloat and the fat that I think has infiltrated the the recent entries because I watched my partner play a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and it looked gorgeous and it ran well and there were lots of interesting settings and, and subplots and that sort of thing. But there was just so much to do. that It felt like a, a glorified virtual checklist, which I think is a criticism that is leveled at a lot of modern games and a lot of modern Ubisoft games. So it is quite refreshing to see a more condensed and more focused experience from such a, a major studio and major publisher. What, what did you like most about this sort of pared back experience in Mirage? Well, I kind of gave
1: myself some rules as well when I was playing it. Um, having played Valhalla, and I did really enjoy Valhalla, but You know, as you said there, it it really felt almost like you were doing a job, like (laughs) there was so much to do. And I think there is a way to handle an open world um, game that doesn't feel like you are just hitting markers on a map. Um, You know, I think of games like the the Zelda Breath of the Wild and and Tears of the Kingdom, for example, where you're kind of inspired to go and follow your curiosity and discover things that way and kind of um, there isn't you know, the same sort of breadcrumb sort of trails that you follow in order to do that. Very sort of different games, but, you know, different interpretations of what open world should be. So when, when I was playing, I, I made sure that I was really closely sticking to the main plot. And, you know, part of the reason why I do this, and sometimes I like to play games like this, is because, you know, when we review games, it's it's not in the same timeframe that most people play them. Um, you know, we're often in a shorter timeframe in which to do these things. And we have to do certain things that most people probably also wouldn't do. So, you know, I said probably the vast majority of people are going to play this over a very long period of time and they're probably going to do a lot of the story missions to go through. So that's what I wanted to do as well. So what I really liked about it was, you know, you had really nice um, sort of natural flowing... um Uh, cases basically so Basim's when uh, Basim gets all the when you get your blades and you're out in the out in the city causing ruckus um you have uh and your main story plot is basically through following these cases it's almost like a um you know there's a like a chart where you can see lots of different little faces about um, and you know you've got your key objectives there, and and of course you know some people have to be uh, have to be ended. That's the, it's not an Assassin's Creed game unless you assassinate people, but there's other you know all those elements that you remember from the early ones, like you know you're eavesdropping on conversations for um, for information. You're having to um, pickpocket or steal um, items and keys in order to find out more information. Um, you're using uh, those uh, high points on the map to get an understanding of the space in which you are, are running around in. Um, and you know that is really just the core of what it was you know there are quite a few items and itemization and you know there is you can change your your look and all of that sort of stuff which is of course um, much more than was in the original game you know there was a little tiny bit of that as you move through the thing your your clothing I remember sort of upgraded and got better and got more knives and all of that sort of stuff but you know the the full-on costumes and uh, and looks and transmogrification you know the changing of your views and stuff like that stuff that's been introduced into to um, subsequent games and you know that's still there in this one but ultimately like i just found myself trying to put myself back into the position of what it was like to play that original series which i think you know has been a design intention from this developer um and and you know, remembering what I really enjoyed uh, at the time. And, and you know, it was running around, collecting all the high points, filling out my map so I could see where I could go. And then occasionally it was just like starting street brawls, you know, just fighting as many uh, enemies as I possibly could. And, you know, using the combat system to, to get into these long drawn out battles, uh, you know, where you're trying to manage your health. Can you survive this big... Um, encounter that you just brought upon yourself for no good reason. What can you use in the social stealth? What skills and, um, you know, smoke bombs and stuff have you got to to get out of this situation if it gets too hairy? Um, and that was just really fun. Um, you know, it just is, it's just a fun place to to, to play in. Um, you know, I remember, you know, we, we don't think about it that much now, but back in the day when when the game first came out on the Xbox three sixty, that's how I played it. Um, you know, the ability to be able to just climb anything as well was kind of mind blowing at the time. You know, in the past, of course, you could jump up on bits and pieces, but it was a pretty static jump and you had to land on a platform effectively in order to do these things, or you know, had very set paths about how you would explore a space. And, you know, that is in this game. You know, that is what they've done. It's not even even so it is actually sort of less uh, you even have less um movement than you do in say valhalla or or odyssey for example because you know you are more fixed like the old games of kind of moving to different handhelds handholds sorry as you're um you know climbing up and down bits and pieces but you know it feels more grounded you're a bit more strategic about how you're moving through space and you're looking um at the world and thinking about paths you can take so you know it you know, there's a lot to be said about, you know, pairing things back to its core uh, features. And the core features are it, it's fun to move, it's fun to fight, and it's fun to
0: explore. And all the other stuff is kind of bonus on top. I think that the combat is one of the things that I felt like I really enjoyed from the, the preview build that I played. Because it's, it's one thing where in Valhalla and Odyssey, I remember the ones I experienced the most, you were a bit of a a one-man or a one-woman army, which was thematically appropriate for those games because you did play as, well, in Odyssey, you were a mercenary and I think you assumed a very similar sort of role in some form of you know Viking crusader in, in Valhalla. So it was thematically and narratively appropriate that you were a bit more of a tank and you could take down so many enemies at once. But I think playing as Basim in Mirage combat you do have to be much more deliberate about your approach and it feels like you're able to be taken down much easier because of this renewed focus on on stealth and the fact that in, in this particular story in this particular game you're not someone who can just take down waves upon waves upon enemies and I think another thing that's a, a point in Mirage's favor here is that it has done away with a lot of the the bloated and convoluted RPG systems employed by games since Origins because it would arbitrarily gate your progress by area, by enemies, that sort of thing based on you having the equipment with the big number on it or being at a certain level whereas here in Mirage it feels like if you play your cards right and if you are stealthy enough you are rewarded for your gameplay in that you can take down pretty much anyone with a single hidden blade to the back which i i feel like that was one of the core appeals of the original Assassin's Creed games was that you did feel all powerful but a little bit squishy as well in terms of if you failed in your stealth then you weren't directly punished as such but things got a little bit harder in that you you don't necessarily have the capacity to to fight everyone off at once and running away is very much a a valid strategy so that that's something I, i certainly appreciated from my time with mirage but one of the one of the things again this this reduced scale this reduced scope of mirage and just Primarily focusing on the setting of of Baghdad, there's we see in in a lot of modern games, especially the Assassin's Creed games have done this really really well in terms of their their discovery modes in letting you explore these beautiful virtual environments that are so painstakingly recreated, and a lot of games like these are great for the the virtual tourism aspect. So Gianni, I, I want to hear about your experience, you know, exploring this this recreation of Baghdad and and what you thought of immersing yourself in this world.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I find this to be really fascinating. I'm such a history fan and, you know, this is, uh, there are things in this game that I had never heard of before. Like I, you know, I'm not a medieval uh, uh, scholar or any, by any regards, but I'm curious about that sort of stuff. And, you know, I found myself, um, Searching for more information about the characters and the places in the world after I was playing, and of course there are little, um, you know, icons, little little items you can collect in the world, which kind of fill out your your codex of information, which give you a bit of um, you know context clues as to where you are in in the space, and you know these set pieces in which you uh, are living, and you know I think that's you know this isn't a a one to one recreation; it's like a theme park. That has, you know, is is skinned in the way of of Baghdad at, at that time, but you know, it, it is enough in there, and I think treated respectfully enough as well. The setting, at least, that you can go and learn more about it, and I think that is really kind of pow- powerful when you think about it. And you know, a lot of historical fiction, um, you know, I, I'm often compelled to learn more about how the author has gone and adjusted this world to and you know or reshaped this world in, in a way that um, makes sense and you know that's one of the coolest things like you know when I played the first games like I you know learned all about you know the Crusades and the resistance to the Crusades and um, you know the Renaissance and you know the pirates and things like that and so you know that that's really really cool and fascinating um and you know sometimes it, it it's a simplified version of course and you know one of the things you can do of course is you know tour tour these in the subsequent games you know the recent ones as well i think it started with um, origins um, back in the day but you know they actually have a, a a historical and educational way to play the game as well where you can go from place to place and actually just learn about the space that you're in and and use it as like a you know a historical learning tool and you know there's a lot of historians who are involved with with making this too so you know it's fun. It's fun. And intre- like, it's interesting, you know? Um, and it, to me, it feels like a, a, a really good little catalyst to learn more um, about the past of, of cultures that you, um, you know, may not have a huge familiarity with, but, you know, if you can come out of this and, you know, think more about the world in which we live in and,
0: and, the, and the past that we have lived in, then that's really great, I reckon. We touched on this at the start of the discussion in terms of where Mirage fits in terms of the sort of the, the broad history of the Assassin's Creed franchise. It's it's one of those series that is quite well known for a rather in-depth and convoluted lore and a lot of interconnected stories that sort of carry on between games. And we we mentioned that you know, this does revolve around Basim, who was a character who featured quite heavily in in Valhalla. So I'm curious, Gianni, do, do you think Mirage is a game that anyone could reasonably jump into or do, does it require a fair bit of assumed knowledge on the player's part? Oh,
1: look, of course there's a little bit in it. But I mean, the series is so old now, I think most people have got a pretty general understanding of what the world is like. Like, I think you know those those touchstones those visual elements you know the first assassin you mean uh in the game is uh that Shore, uh, Agadashlu who has that incredible voice the voice that you know as um uh Christian in uh the expanse series and um you know she looks like an assassin right so that's the visual elements of that you know if i think it would be tricky if you've played games over the last 15 years to be completely uh, uh, oblivious to that are you ready to leave your life behind and walk the path of shadows. I am. Are you ready to give up who you once thought you were? Ready to sacrifice everything you held close? I am. Never forget the tenets you have sworn to uphold. Say your blade from the flesh of the innocent. Hide in plain sight. Never
0: compromise the brotherhood.
1: Then, out of the dark, you will come into the light. And from the light, you will return to the dark. But, you know, I, as someone, like I played a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, you know, I played them very religiously up until... Um, Black Flag, that was probably the last one that I fully completed. And I'm talking about 100% of these games. Um, and I think a lot of it was, you know, the, the feeling, and, and we'll never truly know the, the full intentions of what this was, but it really felt like this first series of games were, were a hit and they were like, okay, well, what next? And they just continued to be a pretty big hit. So they just kept expanding it, expanding it. And, and I think if you approach um, a Mirage in, in a way that, like, you know, this is almost like a soft reboot it again in a way just play it as is and you know you can dig into the menus if you want to learn more about it or do a quick Google I'm sure there is a lore video you can go and um, rewatch but you kind of don't really need to because that sort of meta plot on top has actually also been sort of somewhat reduced um, you know uh, the games used to have a very strong um, science fiction <laughs> element to it as well you know that that was part of the world there was the the modern day world and then there was also the the simulated um, animus world that you experience and that has really been reduced over years so you know i think if you go in there and and think okay cool that's really good you know maybe i would if you wanted to expand out your 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 play style you could say okay well i'm going to go back to the immediate um uh, predecessor to this game which is assassin's creed valhalla which of course um talks a lot about some of those you know quite full on law <laughs> you know there's a lot of stuff that's built on top of this thing as you go so but i don't think you really you don't really need it i mean it's it's fun enough to move through this place if you played you know the the the, the design elements that assassin's creed pioneered back in the day are so familiar now and have been used by so many other uh, games that language is familiar so for you to be able to play this game you can play it and enjoy it and i think there is a, a lot there for you to go and explore afterwards but it, i don't think it's essential like I, i'm not 100 up to date i've missed like a bunch of games entirely and i played it and it was a lot of fun so um yeah there's there's it's still something that i think is because of the way that it's been pulled back to its core core experience still really enjoyable
0: overall quite enjoyable by the sounds of things. But was there anything about Assassin's Creed Mirage that didn't quite hit the mark for you? It's still pretty janky. Like,
1: there are definitely bits in it which feel um, uh, like there was one particular moment where I jumped I was in this sort of like well, and I was trying to find an item down the bottom of a well of of this you know thing, and you have to kind of slowly climb up. And because of course you can't climb up every single surface as you can do in previous games, you had to really follow the path. And then if I I was trying to jump to a higher point, um, but because the contextual meant, like um, command of the game meant uh, that. It, it made me jump backwards and do sort of like a you know an eagle dive back into the pool of water down the bottom, and I did that like twice before I got out of that well. And there's moments like that as well where I was, um, you know, I had just started a street brawl for no, for no good reason and realised I'd bitten off more than I could chew, um, and then i decided to run, and then yeah, the pathing of where you were going. It isn't as simple as some of the even like assassin's creed 2 right um like that was improved a lot from where you could climb and stuff so some of that does feel a little bit f- funny um it's not a, an, an end of the world sort of thing it's um you know it's it's totally doable but yeah there is a little bit of that sort of um you know getting used to it a- and you know it wasn't a, a game-breaking thing for me in any capacity but it, it would definitely you know for good and for worse, it re- literally reminded me of playing those first games back in the in the early two uh, thousands.
0: Even playing the the preview build, build I, I found that very much the case that there was very much the typical Assassin's Creed jank in terms of the, the pathfinding or trying to traverse or you know free run parkour across various obstacles but i think it's almost part of the series unique charm in terms of we we talk about games having ongoing conventions and motifs and you know w- whether you've played an assassins creed game before or not this this is very much core to the assassins creed experience which is a little bit funny to say because often you hear about the sort of the the very broad catch-all term of jank used in a, in a negative connotation. But I think even when we spoke about Starfield not that long ago, these, these big games are known to have jank, and that's sort of accepted as part of the experience, but one that doesn't really hamper your enjoyment of the game. They're incredibly complex. I think this is the thing as well. Like, you know,
1: Mirage is, you know, a factor of we don't even know how much more complex than the first game right so i mean that's part of the uh you know that's part of the nature of making a game at this scale right and you know there if you remember you may not remember but the original assassins creed games had like literal walls and they weren't invisible walls you would like if you didn't progress far enough in the storyline there this big sort of animus like glitchiness would appear and you would be literally gated from from entering different parts of the the world and if you think about like as I mentioned you know Breath of the Wild and um, Tears of the Kingdom like could you imagine hitting a wall as you're exploring this world it was you know that was the design of the time Um, you don't really have that in this one here you can actually kind of like you know first thing I did was I got on a a camel and just (laughs) ran around for a really long time and just wherever you know was interesting I just kind of moved And so, you know, there's lots of that stuff that I think, um, you know, has been improved after 15 years of game design um, and, you know, game measurement and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it it wasn't – it reminded me of these things, but it's definitely not something that I think was a a game-breaking experience by any stretch of
0: the means. No, no, of course not. So then who, who ultimately, Gianni, would enjoy playing Assassin's Creed Mirage the most?
1: I really think it's for people who played those early games. Um, I think it's, um, I think, I mean, lots of people are going to enjoy this, but, you know, for capturing that experience of what that felt like, um, you know, in many ways it does um, capture the feeling, if not the actuality of those early experiences. Um, at least for me it did. And, you know, I think if you were the sort of person who who bounced off the more complex um, games, Um, This might be the one for you to come back into, you know, and I think we've seen there are a lot of different Assassin's Creed games on the way. So I'm sure it'll be like um, any of those other large franchises like Call of Duty, where you've got different teams working on slightly different experiences. So, you know, they might make assassin's creed hex or assassin's creed jade whatever the project names are for those particular ones one of those is probably going to be the deep rpg experience if that was the thing that you really loved from valhalla from odyssey from origins um but you know that the, 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 there can be space within that um for these different simpler you know more streamlined experiences i think it's just a better thing for the player so really yeah if you're a sort of person who who, who maybe hasn't played one since black flag for example or, or played one of the newer ones for you know, an hour or two and then thought, oh, I can't, can't go collecting any more of these things. Um, you know, that could be what to do. And, uh, you know, give yourself a limitation as well. I think, um, you know, you don't need to do everything in a video game. I think it, we are often incentivized to go and uh, collect everything if we're chasing achievements or, or, you know, the UI will point us to all of these different possibilities, but you can give yourself a smaller path. And I, I think that might be rewarding in this circumstance um you know it's a, a really interesting uh, you know I, I think the original history of this game was it was supposed to be a, a downloadable content uh, for valhalla um and was arranged and then spin off into its own um full full game um so you know I'm glad that this sort of thing does exist because, you know, if you like the world and you like the gameplay of these and, you know, it kind of doesn't get better when you can work through an area and, you know, sneak through bushes and whistle and lure over every single enemy you possibly can. And, you know, and then just walk up to the front door because everyone else is cactus. Like that's great. That's a lot of fun. So um, yeah, if you, if you've bounced off Assassin's Creed games in the past, um, maybe you played the very earliest games and were are looking to cap- recapture that feeling, then that's who I would recommend Assassin's Creed Mirage to.
0: Going back to this very sort of back to its roots approach for Assassin's Creed Mirage certainly sounds like it's very much a hit among players and a lot of critics. And you've, you've hinted very heavily towards this, Gianni, but do you drop or rate Mirage?
1: Look, I, I rate it, but I know that I won't play this game again. I'm going to play it once and then it's not going to be the sort of thing that i return to and that's okay i think um like it's enough to to go through um and and enjoy this one experience um but it's not in the same way that i play those other ones many 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 times um on different platforms and all sorts of things um you know it's it's just go through and play it once and that was that'll be good enough for me so yeah think about it it might be very different for you um you know you don't have to play the volume of games that we have to do when we're covering them, but um, yeah, I think play it, enjoy it. Um, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it if you if you have
0: that sort of history with the game. Um, but yeah, then move on to something else. And that is Assassin's Creed Mirage from Ubisoft, a game that well has been a very much a welcome return to core of the series, and one that possibly may come up in Game of the Year discussion towards the end of the year.
1: You're listening to Drop Rate by Sifter visit us on
0: sifter.com.au. This has been Drop Rate by Sifter, our video game review podcast. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the theme music. Sifter is produced by Chris Button, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is senior producer and Gianni Giovanni is our executive producer. So Gianni, obviously you run the whole show here at Sifter But uh, where can people find your work specifically? Look,
1: if you are looking for something interesting to listen to, um, uh, both you and I uh, spent a fair bit of time doing interviews with people um, during Melbourne International Games Week, and there's a really exciting one I want you to look forward to, which will be coming very, very soon. Um, We spoke to Jonathan uh, Biddle, um, who is part of All Possible Futures. Um, They are making the game called The Plucky Squire. Um, That game is really fascinating you move between 2d and 3d worlds um it's based on a, a, a book originally um and it was a great conversation so if you haven't subscribed to our podcast Lightmap, map um, where we do interview with game developers um i recommend you give that a search um search in your podcast player wherever you're listening to this you'll find um light map on there and um, i reckon you'll really like it so
0: um that's my recommendation fantastic and that's all for this week. You can check out what Sifter is up to on our social media channels, which is at Sifter HQ on the very many fragmented social media platforms at the moment. Uh, you can also find us on Discord, which will include a link in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode of Drop Rate, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing the episode on social media. This helps put us in front of more people and enables us to provide more in-depth coverage. Plus, you can check out our other podcast, which Gianni alluded to, Lightmap, where we talk to game developers, creatives, and people who are doing cool things in interactive media on your favorite podcast app of choice. And you can also head to sifter.com.au for written coverage, articles, interviews, reviews, and more. Thank you very much for joining us. See you next time.
1: Hey there, Gianni here on the latest episode of Lightmap, Sifters interview podcast, Trent Custers from Melbourne's League of Geeks joins me to share the pretty candid story of how their studio almost came to its end. The thing that I said to Blake, who's the game director on Jump Light Odyssey, and you know, we've got to remind ourselves is that
0: it literally was just a logic puzzle.
1: Like, we did not have enough money to take one team all the way through till, say late 2024 which is when which is the amount of time that Jump Like Odyssey needed to be completed we've got to put this one game that's already out there that has a bunch of potential and then invested in this other game that you know very clearly because we can see the wishlist doesn't happen and it's always been the case like solomon burner was the weirdo strategy game right it was never it was never the commercial front runner out of the two you know you don't get to pick and
0: choose it actually the decision
1: is made for you you can get every episode of Lightmap for free on apple Podcasts, on spotify on youtube or head to our website sifter.com.au